0: Do you have my mom's new book yet?
1: It's High Five Discipline Positive Parenting for Happy, Healthy, Well Behaved Kids. You can get your copy anywhere
0: you purchase books. Thanks, guys. You're You're welcome, welcome, Mom. (laughs) Welcome to Kidding Around. I'm your host, Dr. Candace. I'm a pediatrician, wife, and mom, joined by pediatric experts to discuss your kid health concerns. Let's jump right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kidding Around. I'm Dr. Candice, and thank you so much for listening. My guest today is Dr. Nushin Amina Thing. Is that correct? Did I say it that right? That is perfect. You got it, Dr. Candace. Woo. <laughs> we practice that thing because I do not like messing up people's names. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> and I was sharing with Dr. Nushin that I do this even with my patients, like I got to get it right and write out my phonics and everything. So it's so important, right? It's really right. important to get it right. But Dr. Nushin, is that okay if I call you that?
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: <laughs> she is a board certified pediatrician at the Mayo Clinic Children's Center. She is the chair of Diversity and Inclusion of the Mayo Clinic Health System and chair of the AAP's American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Communications and Media, and that is how we know each other because I'm a part of that and she was a a wonderful chair. She's leaving us and I'm sad about that because I loved reading her powerful uh, newsletters, always talking about what's going on around us from a very informative, deep perspective. So I'm going to miss that. And I've already told her so, um, and enjoy working with her and every now and then, you know, seeing each other at, at, at conferences and and things like that. So thank you so much, Dr. Nusheen, for being here to kid around with me today.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Candace. I was so grateful when I saw your invitation, and I am thrilled to be talking uh, to you today about a topic that I know is very important to both of us and all of the patients that we serve.
0: Absolutely. And that topic is drum roll <laughs> DEI, diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. And we were talking off, you know, Mike, here in Florida. That's a hot topic, a controversial topic, a politically charged topic when it really should not be. So we're going to go deep into it today in case you're on one side and you believe when you hear DEI, you think, you know, woke, CRT, you think things like that. You're wrong. And we want to educate you today and help you to understand why DEI matters, why it matters to to our overall health, our community's health, our society's health, our children's health. And that's what I'm all about. And that's what Dr. Nishine is all about. So we're going to jump right in and talk about these topics. And um, hopefully you will gain the truth today. That's the best way to say that. (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't so. already know, if you didn't already know, um, because many do. So, Dr. Nusheen, can you define very simply as you know, always go basic, help us to understand what these words actually mean, diversity, equity and inclusion? I
1: know. Well, um, I think at the simplest uh, level, diversity is basically, you know, for example, looking at a room of people and thinking, are people in that room Representative of the larger population. And that's something that has changed, you know, over the last several years, over the last few decades in this country. Um, And so, you know, diversity is like if you have a population, and we as pediatricians know that about 50% of kids under the age of 18 are are children of color, you know, children from uh, Black, Latino, Asian, Native American, you know, a variety of backgrounds. Um, And so when we think about that, the population that is coming up, our next generation, is very diverse. And when, when you look at a room, when you watch TV, are the characters that you see reflecting that reality reflecting the truth. And so diversity is really like okay are 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 we counting <laughs> are we counting right you know are we making sure that we we represent that accurately. Now inclusion is more you have this room of people let's say but but do all of those people feel like they're really part of the group? You know, is 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 there an effort being made so that people don't feel like they're pushed off to the corner? Are people being heard? You know, it's it's not just a matter of checking or sorry, it's not just a matter of checking the box, but making sure that people feel included, that they feel important, that they feel valued. So to me, that's inclusion and inclusion is, you know, a little harder to define than than straight diversity. But that's really important because that's one of the goals we have now equity in my opinion, is kind of like the the high tier, the highest tier, you know, we're starting with diversity, we're going to inclusion. um, And equity is really making sure that everyone's on a level playing field. And it should make sense to us is like, you know, if you're like me, you know, I, I grew up and my parents are like, everyone's equal. Everyone's the same. You should be kind to everyone because everyone is a human being. Everyone deserves that. I mean, that's just, you know, part of our core values. And I truly believe that most people in the world and in this country, even you know, on different sides of the political spectrum, believe that and want that for everyone. So equity though is something that also requires us to have some understanding. And I think about my own journey and how I had to learn and sometimes unlearn things to to realize that not everyone has the same barriers. And so equity is about making sure that the person who has 10 barriers in their path and the person who has maybe one or two barriers in their path can still have the same chance to achieve what they want to, to be able to live their dreams. And so for me, that's how I think of equity.
0: Wow. You said so many things. So I want to, you know, break that down just a little bit before we move on to the next question. I think your definitions were spot on. Um, back to diversity. You know, I love that stat that the reality is. You know, kids under 18 are about people of color in that age range are about 50% of our uh of America, right? And we know right. that's where it's headed more and more and more, and, and that's the reality of that. But when we look at most um corporate or I would say middle class, upper middle class, upper class Um, spaces or jobs or organizations, or even at the level of the administration of it that really runs things and make things happen. Um, When we look around, we don't see that reflection. And that's what I caught from you, um, that is it fair? Is it just that that same representation is not allowed in those spaces?
1: I think what you said is really spot on because we are looking to the next generation. And as we both know, as people who work with kids, kids have dreams, but if kids can't see themselves in these dreams, it's very hard for them to really be able to conceive of and work towards and believe that they have the chance to do that. Um, If kids don't see themselves as doctors, if kids don't see themselves as CEOs, why would they ever think that you know i and and i say that because i've i've worked at mayo clinic now for for just over 15 years i've been in practice for 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 a little bit longer than that but most of the time at mayo clinic and i have a pretty diverse population i take care of a lot of first and second generation immigrant refugee families some of these kids i've seen from the time they were babies and toddlers and you know, every so often we wonder if we're doing good in our work. Um, but like I make it a point to ask all of my patients once, you know, they're five years old and above, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And and we hear the greatest answers. We hear astronaut. We hear, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. And it's been important for me to realize that many of my young um, Young female patients, uh, many of whom are of Somali, you know, Muslim origin, um, you know, whose whose parents sometimes escaped a very difficult situation, um, will say, "I want to be a doctor." Like that means something to me. I'm 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 someone who, even though I'm not Somali, I kind of look like them. I dress like them, and for them to like over the years see someone who looks like them in a physician's position, and have their parents telling them, "Look at her. Look at Dr. Aminadine. She's a doctor. You can do this too." I think is so powerful. And and I don't mean to use myself in that way, but but I realized that sometimes these kids are not told in other spaces that this is what you can do. Like one of the most powerful things I remember is that no one ever told me I couldn't do something. When I was growing up, they're like, if you want to do that, go for it. and And I think it's important for us to be able to to tell these kids, you can be a CEO. Like I would have never pictured myself as, as, you know, a chair of, of, of an AAP council. I never, I never saw that. It never was one of my goals, but, but it happened. And I'm, I'm grateful if that helps open doors for other people. And if in that position, I can make a concerted effort to make sure those doors are open for other colleagues
0: wow that's that's so true, but we have to be committed like you you know like you alluded to, committed to understanding the importance of that. How can we have fifty percent of children um of color you know in this in this country, right? Fifty um, percent of children, our children are children of color in this country, but then they don't have that representation to show them that it's possible to show those children a Dr. Nusheen or to show those children a Dr. Candace, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Exactly. You know, I love the fact that my son was born and saw uh, President Barack Obama, right? So now that reality, it's not so far-fetched for Mm -hmm. our children to know, I can be president one day, we have Barack Obama. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so... Are we committed, you know, and I'm asking the audience, are we committed to making sure that we have representation at every level of our society, of all, of a diverse population of people, so that all the children coming behind can see that it's possible? That's why diversity matters to me. Yes, yes. That's why diversity matters. And and then also it matters So that, you know, that saying when, when things go wrong, did they have a Tyrone in that meeting? (laughs) I was looking on Twitter and somebody was joking. I don't know how they got the picture. I don't even know if it was real. But it was a big, long table hanging kind of off of a beachside, probably somewhere in Malibu. And it probably was 25, 30 people around the table. And it was a major streaming platform. And that was there like a planning meeting, right, for streaming services, what they're going to be showing, you know, whatever. And everybody was white, There were some women, there were some men, there might have been, you know, some gay individuals, right? LGBTQ representation, awesome. But nobody that I could see in the way this post was written of color. How can you represent? How can you show movies and programming to, to a truly representative degree that matters to people who watch it? And and show little black girls, little Muslim boys, you know, Native American children that my lived experience matters. Was Could yeah. you do a movie about us? You know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You yeah. share our story in a documentary, you know. So it matters on so many levels, not just so kids can know the possibilities, but also to see themselves and know, like you said, that I'm being included, moving on to inclusion. You're not just tolerating me or having me as a minor character. Oh, we counted, we had this, we had this, we had this in the movie. Mm-hmm. But my characters were the criminal or something, you know, stereotypical or negatively stereotypical. Um, but I there was value to my my person and my and my character and my culture. So yep. it's not about tolerance with inclusion, right? It's about you bring value. Right you bring value and exactly. your and who you are, your whole being, with your hair with your 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 speech with your everything. we want you in this room because you add value and you help us understand our world better,
1: yeah. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I love what you just said. And and if I may, I'd love to build on on two points. I think that you brought up. Like number one is that you know as as also people who are in the council on communications and media, we look at the effect that media has on kids. We know that kids are consuming media; that it's all around them, and that these types of things set societal norms. And so, if a young child of color is not seeing themselves, but even maybe more um, more uh, uh, even more, are they seeing themselves in, in roles that are stereotypical and negative? You know, and we find that, you know, they had, they had done a study a few years ago, um, where, you know, a bunch of kids of, of of different backgrounds had had watched, you know, television, for example. And they found that the young white boys came away from watching those, you know, hours of television, feeling pretty good. But the, the young white girls and the Young black boys and black girls were coming away with a decreased sense of self. They were feeling worse about themselves. And that has real world implications. If you're always seeing yourself in a role, that that is not positive. That really does have an impact on on your mental health, on your self esteem, on on a child's ability to dream, to see themselves in 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 a better way. So that's important. And then the second thing I wanted to say is that you know we're talking about this being good for for the future. It's also good for the majority. It's also good for for young white kids to be able to see this world that they live in, and you know as they grow into adult. Adults, young adults, and, and even older adults, um, this is a world that's going to be around them. And everyone benefits from that. Like many years ago, they had done studies on Sesame or on, on, on kids who watched um, clips from Sesame Street. And the kids who watched the clips where there was a diverse group of children playing, and then they were shown pictures afterwards of kids of different, you know, backgrounds. they were like, you know, would, would this be a kid you'd like to play with? And the kids who had seen the clips with the diverse, you know, groups of kids playing were more likely to choose like non-white kids or kids of a different background from from them as as people they'd want to be friends like this is important this is the, the reality of the world we want to be able to work together we want to be able to you know to to form bo- bonds and, and learn from each other and so this is healthy for everybody it lifts everybody up
0: Right. Absolutely. So instead of saying, you know, why is it always about race or why is it always about gender? Why is it always about something? Right. That's making me uncomfortable. Instead yeah. of saying that. But until each one of these groups who have been harmed in some way feel that they are truly seen and heard and valued and brought into the fold, it's hard not to keep fighting that good fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I exactly.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. See
0: me first, then we can let it go. (laughs) Then we can let it go. I I was in a talk, well, I was at a conference and it was a wonderful speaker. And she showed a, simply showed it a, a, a toolbox on the screen. And it was a whole bunch of, she showed a toolbox with a whole bunch of different tools. Obviously you would have like 25 different tools in there. Then she showed another one with just hammers. (laughs) She said, which one of these do you need to build this house? And everybody clearly knew, I need a toolbox with every type of tool I can think of to get this house built. And she said, why not the hammers? You know, we have spaces that are all men, all white, all this. Why is that okay? Are we really serving everyone? Are we really giving our best? Are we really doing our best if it's just one type of people? and you know some uh, some light bulbs went off because we need diversity because diversity gives us everything right Everything, everything to get it done, um, to build a house, to build a good, strong, sturdy house. Um, And, you know, we're already into our second question, why it's important, why DEI is important to overall health. We're answering that right now with real life examples of why diversity, equity, inclusion matters in everyday life to the health of individuals. And then the third thing that you said when you gave your definition was um, how you alluded to how equity is not equality. I think I hear that getting mixed up all the time, right?
1: Right, right. Um,
0: We are, Martin Luther King was fighting for equality,
1: (laughs) <laughs> right. Right. The
0: Civil right. Rights Act just needed equality. It was all about equality. Let me vote like you. Let me, you know, let me have the full rights of a citizen like you. Ending segregation mm-hmm. and all of those things. Just let me be able to do the same thing. I want the same water fountain, you know, all of that stuff. Right. And that right. was just what in the 60s. If, I'm, if I can yeah. remember correctly, I, I would be shamed if I forgot that. But anyway, <laughs> it was not that long ago. Nope. Right, <laughs> right. It was not that long ago. I, my mother, my uncles, my dad, living relatives still tell me stories. And this, there's a wonderful diagram for this one, too. You know, you have individuals who are needing to see over a fence. And they're all different shapes and sizes and ages. And obviously, one person who's tall and older may be, may be able to see over the fence. Better than a child, maybe. And so you go get everybody the same size step stool. That still is not gonna work, right? No. The tall nope. guy didn't even need a step stool. So why did you, in the sake of equality, give him one because he didn't need it, right? The child needed it, but you only gave her one step stool, so it still is not working for her. And you you said this already. But the middle one, it worked for him. Now he can see. But we still have the child, she probably needed three tiers to her step stool. Okay, and so equity, like you said, gives each individual what they need to reach that opportunity, to reach that full potential of being able to see over that fence. And so why in the world it's a dirty word? I do not know because it's simply that. But people, it is not equality. Equality is the same. And in reality, we know that everybody, some people need more. Some people need less. You can see that in your own home. Have a child with a health condition. That one child will need more, and you're going to give it to them. You wouldn't deny them and say, you have the same opportunity as everybody. You wouldn't tell your child that, would you? I know you wouldn't. You wouldn't say, get up and and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do it. You you born with the same opportunity. No, your child is (laughs) sick. They need you. They need medicine. They need to go to the doctor. They need more support and love and nurturing maybe. All the while you're trying to give the same to your other kids, but they need a little bit more. And so we know that's the same for people in society because of whatever, right? Because of probably history. Um, but that's a that's a huge deal. So how let's talk a little bit about while I'm on my soapbox, definitely gonna have to do some editing.
1: Oh. <laughs> I loved what you said. I'm like, I let that stay. <laughs> that's the perfect distillation. Of course, no one would treat their children who had needs, you know, differently. Or I mean in, in a way that was exactly the same as the other one. That's perfect.
0: <laughs> hey, oh my god, it's like duh. <laughs> but anyway, so how does equity keep us healthy? How does equity, how is it important to health and well-being? Just, just dig down into that a little bit, because I know you have lots of wonderful evidence for that.
1: <laughs> so how does equity keep us healthy? Um, well, first of all, obviously, we need to achieve equity. So, <laughs> um so let me go back a second. Um, when we think about how equity keeps us healthy, again, I think there's a fundamental belief that everything we do impacts everyone else in some way. So it benefits everyone to make sure we have a healthy, safe society. And specifically in medicine, I think about this, you know, um, and again, I'm going to go back to our pediatrician things, you know, when when we see babies who are just born coming out of the nursery, one of the things we check for is to make sure they don't have a, a high level of jaundice. And, you know, so like a, a baby who has lighter skin, you know, you can kind of see the, the, the jaundice, the yellow color. And we've since learned we're, we're terrible at judging jaundice. So we have more objective ways to, 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 to check jaundice. We have blood tests, um, but we also have what are called transcutaneous bilirubin uh, monitors or readers. And basically what that means is looking at, uh, at the jaundice level without having to poke a baby. So it's, it's a nice way to make sure they're healthy. But you have to think about the fact that, again, we have 50% children of color in, in this country. and. Kids are going to have different skin tones. It's not everyone having very light skin anymore, or even the majority having light skin anymore. So if we are applying the same, the equal, you know, uh, measures for, for all kids, we're going to miss things. We're going to miss things. And, and kids who need help, who this wasn't anything that they did, nothing there is. It's just, you know, stuff happens. Um, and they're babies for heaven's sake, you know, they can't advocate for themselves. So, so we need to think about, you know, what, what are we doing to make sure that we have, Accurate measures of health for all members of our society at all ages, and it goes back, Dr. Candice, to, to to that um, image you 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 gave us about all the people sitting at the table, and they were all you know most likely of the same majority group. So if you have a table like that, who's saying, wait a minute, what about someone with my skin color? Is, is that particular device going to accurately measure this to make sure that we have kids who are healthy? And so I'm going to take that another step further. So let's say we have these ways to measure health that that are fundamentally flawed. And I'm even going to use a word, a phrase that, that, that might make people some mad, structurally racist, you right. know people think of racism as oh if you say a bad word to someone if you hate someone because of their race that's what racism is and that's one kind of racism but there's this other kind of racism where well-intentioned people good people just maybe don't have a perspective that you know that they need to be able to to care for the larger population. And so that's where the different people, the diversity, the inclusion, you know, to achieve equity is going to be important. You need people who are going to say, wait a minute, this works for you, but it doesn't work for 50% of the population.
0: Wow, huge. And that can impact their life. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which, which, like you said, wait a minute, holding others back or neglecting them or not having the correct information about them can end up hurting you. And yes, right. Exactly. Exactly. We're all connected.
1: Exactly. And, and again, like, you know, if it wasn't clear before, so let's say that this goes forward without anything, and then you have like 50% of the kids being missed, those kids are going to be sick, they're going to have to come back into the hospital, they're going to need more treatment, that's going to cost everyone more you know that's going to take a toll parents will have to take time off work they won't be able i mean it, it just has these tremendous long-ranging impacts and then if you look back at that and say well my gosh why are these babies you know so sick um you know is that their fault it's not their fault they're babies um <laughs> but 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 you think about that it affects everybody and 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 you'll see you'll see the repercussions down down the line and potentially for generations if you don't recognize that if you don't make an effort to correct that and to make sure that we're providing equitable care for everybody
0: what's the controversy why 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 is this being politicized what do you think cuz this is our opinion right now we get into our opinion um, I don't know if there's any way to measure this, but because of what we just said, we defined it, we talked about why it's so important for the health and well-being of our children, which is the most important thing, but but also the greater society. Why is this such a controversy? Why is it being, um, you know, I don't know, scar-faced? Why is, it, <laughs> why is it even in politics? What do you think?
1: That's a really that's a difficult question to answer. And, you know, I've I've tried to, I've, I've thought about this multiple times over the last, I would say, six, seven years, particularly, um, as we've seen more political polarization and how that's been, you know, connected to issues that really are not political, that shouldn't be political, that, um, again, you know, go to the heart of who we are as people, you know, do, do we believe that, we're on this earth to, to make it better, you know, to, 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 to help, e- to help each other. Um, and, and ultimately to me, that's what DEI work does. It's, it's looking at other people and, and saying, you know, how can we make this better for everyone? Um, and I've also, you know, had to go through, I think, some different emotions I've gone through anger. Mm-hmm. I've gone through, um, you know, disappointment uh, and, and, and I've tried to, to genuinely put myself in, 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 the minds of people who maybe think differently than I do. Right. And I think, you know, it's been a tough few years. It's been a really tough few years. And I think when people are going through hard times, um, it's very easy to be vulnerable to people who will find what what they think is an easy answer um, that may not have any truth or evidence to it, um, but, but that might somehow latch on to people to say the reason you're having a hard time is not because of you it's because of this group of people and that's hard to say that's you know that's a controversial thing to say but but i see that happening all the time i think it's very easy to 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 pick on some issue or pick on a group of people and say you're not doing well because they're making things worse for you or they're doing better than you are and it's at your expense and i think what people have to understand is that in so many cases, it's not that there's a finite amount of of, of resources. Sometimes there are, but there, there's a different story. And I think it comes from a deep fear. You know, it, it comes from a fear. And and I don't think necessarily people start out um being antagonistic, but um, but I think sometimes when times are tough, it's very easy to. To try to find a reason for that. And sometimes, again, even if there's no evidence to support that, even if all the evidence in fact points against that, um, it's 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 just one of those things that we as humans can can very easily latch on to.
0: Yeah. It's 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 really tough. It's really tough. Um, I,
1: I think,
0: in my opinion, it kind of comes down to loyalties that we need to get rid of. But it's hard because we all grew up, raised up a certain way. And we know breaking beliefs and traditions and things you've been taught forever and making that, oh, questioning that and saying, oh, this is really not true. Like some of us are so loyal. Like even even in my latter years now, I'm still, my husband and I talk and we rethink, rethink, rethink things we were taught. And we have we do things differently than we were taught. And our parents didn't come and they're looking like we didn't. Te- what what's going on? We didn't teach you that we didn't ever have you know. So it's hard to redo, rethink, relearn things. And when that's challenged, it, it brings out natural human defensiveness, anger, even you know those types of emotions. So you know, and everybody's at a different place of doing that work of maybe trying to think about that or come into that reality. So I think that blind loyalty to a party or belief or a person or something like that, we have to do better with that because it should be people first, right? Right. It should be people first. I think the second thing is this notion of comfort, I think when people talk about de, some people talk about DEI, and I share with you, sometimes I've had to learn to tampen myself down because it doesn't help the work. I've learned, I'm learning how to say it in a way that it can be received and thought about and pondered and maybe make a difference versus just being shut down because it it, it made the person defensive. And so this notion of You're making us feel uncomfortable for history or for the past or as we fight for diversity and equity and inclusion over race, over disability, over gender, over. Because there's issues in all of that stuff, right? Over whether whether you're LGBTQ or not. It makes me uncomfortable, makes my kid or makes someone else or make the opposing uh, group uncomfortable. We have to remember that. What about the comfort? Of the individual who's been harmed, or the groups that have been harmed, can we meet in the middle? You know mm-hmm. what I mean. And then Ibram X. Kendi said it best: instead of you know, um, teaching worried about teaching kids about slavery and the things that were done wrong, can we teach them about the abolitionists, the people who fought and alongside? Black people and this I'm just giving the example of race and and slavery and segregation, but who fought alongside there were a lot of white people who fought alongside for the good cause who marched and who fought for civil rights and who made the right decisions. Can we tweak it that way, even he's willing to you know tweak it a little bit um so remember to consider the other person's comfort and remember to maybe find an alternative way to teach this information and not just shut it down because the truth has to be taught. And then I think the last thing for me that makes it politicized is power. We know that. And when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, unfortunately, we have to give up to achieve it. Right. We have to give up some of our power. Right. Because I yep. always hear, when we're in rooms and we're talking about programs that's, that could make a difference, evidence-based programs that can make a difference, money always comes up, right? Money yep. always comes up. There's only so much money. How are we going to, and people start realizing they're going to have to divide up money, shift money around. I, My program, I'm going to lose some money. Mm-hmm. And so power and money comes into it. And if we build up this group too much, we help them too much or we don't think, you know, because of some stereotypes and bias we have that they're not helping themselves or if they may take what I've got right? Take our jobs, those types of things, right? Which that's not happening because you didn't want the job in the first place. You do not want to do the jobs that those people are doing. They're helping our society, right? They're helping us. Us us Americans that have gotten used to certain things, we are not going to do those jobs. Okay, stop. (laughs) Then we have to create, you know, it's the power of, of, uh, what is it? Um, We have to create narratives that's been done throughout history, throughout the world, throughout living human beings. We have to create that narrative. Race, the word race, race was created to do a thing. And so now we're creating narratives around equity, around CRT, around woke, to build fear, to build, yeah. you know, to to make it the way it is so that our agenda, so we don't have to give up our power, so we don't have to be uncomfortable, so we don't have to move forward for the people. And And that's yes. just what I think. I might be wrong, but what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think you made really excellent points. And while you were speaking, I remembered something. And this is from um, the book Charlotte's Web, childhood classic. Love it. Um, it, they make a really important point in the book that when we don't understand something, we fear it. Mm-hmm. and i think really at the root of all of this the politiza- politicization is Woo. that people don't understand um and and therefore they fear and yeah you know it's it's people worrying that the pie is only this big and if someone else gets a slightly bigger slice that means a smaller slice for me um but equity isn't pie um you Whoa. know equi-
0: <laughs> that's it that was it right there it is not pie people
1: <laughs> and so you know i think Part of what I see my job uh, is is, is, is doing is, is helping people to understand, like things I didn't understand. I was taught in school. You know, I went through the American public school system. I had amazing teachers. I was really lucky in so many ways. Um... But, you know, we were taught about the Civil War, we, and then we were taught about the Civil Rights Movement. And then we were like, okay, racism's gone. You know, there are some some bad apples in the bunch. I was not taught that structural racism, that redlining, that, you know, the ability to not get loans in banks is is still very much an issue. I'm like, oh, no, you go in, you you everyone's treated the same. You know, we have laws that protect us, and we do have some laws that protect us. But um, there are so many things that are just not well understood. Um Um, And, you know, it's it's not everyone is starting out on the same level. If you can't get a home, if you can't live in a neighborhood that has good, strong public schools, you know, where you're safe and you're able to walk to school or you have transportation to school, it's it's just not the same. So a kid who grows up somewhere, you know, where where that isn't provided is not going to have the same opportunities as as a kid who, you know, who who grows up elsewhere and 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 to realize how deeply that's ingrained in the structures in the policies of the system was was a real eye opener for me so it's not just no no you can get here you can have any dream it's it's no that there are things that are that are those hurdles those you know the the there are 10 hurdles that i didn't see for people who have different backgrounds from me and and i now see them more clearly wow that was, that was powerful
0: That's a perfect uh, example of how that works. Absolutely. And so I never want to leave you all without action steps, without something you can do. If you've been, um, you know, compelled to do the good work uh, from this episode, I hope so. Uh, hopefully you've learned, hopefully you can further this discussion with your friends. You can send me your comments. (laughs) We can talk more about it, but we want to leave with some action steps. How can we advocate for DEI in our society? It could be on our job. It could start in our home with talking with our children, make sure we're educated, our friend group the people we're around. I know me and my friend group, we talk about this stuff all the time. Like we can't get together. It could be 50 people without in some way, shape, form, fashion, this stuff is coming up because this is our lived experience. And I know there are other groups that that's never the case. Um, And so how do we talk about it? And then it could be, you know, in bigger, larger organizations. Thank goodness um, there are individuals moving this work forward. And we do have chairs of diversity and inclusion at health systems. There's a lot of work to be done, right? You're fighting a huge fight (laughs) um, to make sure that you're dismantling those structures just at the level of health, in the health Mm -hmm. system. And so what can the average person do to ensure or to fight for, to advocate for diversity, equity, inclusion in their place, in their setting?
1: Well, the first thing I want to say is that you absolutely don't have to be the chair of a big health system um, to be able to do this work. I think it is really work that begins on the ground. Um, it begins first with the individual. What are we doing for ourselves? Are we educating ourselves? As you mentioned, you know there are so many books. Um, I, I think honestly for me, what what it was doing before I even really understood that I was doing this was just listening to people, like finding people to listen to who had life experiences that were different from my own, and that opened up a whole a whole thing for me. So I think. You know, first we do the work within ourselves, um, and we're going to consistently do that work as lifelong learners. Um, so that's that's the first thing. Second thing is like in your family, like okay, you know, think about your neighborhood. Like, are there ways that you can connect with people? you know, who, who again are maybe different from you. Are there ways, are there clubs that, you know, activities that your kids can get involved in where they will meet kids of different backgrounds, where they will have a chance to broaden their circle, um, where they can try foods that they never tried before, hear languages that they've never heard before, um, where they can just learn to see other people as human beings. And it's not just a very homogenous group. Um, And and I think then on another level, like, you know, if you work, what are ways that like, can we train ourselves to look at everything with an equity lens? Like that, to me, I think is a big thing. No matter where you are, it's like looking around at the room, you know, is there diversity? And then really, like, who's speaking up? Who has the power in the room? Are there ways that we can train ourselves to be like, hey, who needs to be here? Who's missing? Um, How can we work to make sure that that, you know, that, viewpoint is represented. So I think little things like that, just training yourself to think about things and see things in, in, in a different way from, from what you're maybe used to.
0: I love all of that. I really, really, really do. I love that you said you don't have to be the chair to do this work. <laughs> and It starts with you. I absolutely love that. And, 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 and I think once you have equipped yourself with all of these things, if you want to go further and do more advocacy work, Um, you know, fighting for these things, fighting against the false narratives. Um, uh, Dr. Nusheen is going to give you some resources. I'm pretty confident. I don't know that, but I'm pretty confident (laughs) because I know her. (laughs) I know her good work. One thing I want to say is um, your shirt, to me, says
1: it. Can you read your shirt? Can you tell me what your shirt says again? Absolutely. So I'm wearing a shirt today that says "Don't fight back, fight forward." It is a quote from Ola Obisanya, who is the father of Sam Obisanya in the show Ted Lasso, which uh, which I know has gotten popular. Um, he says this to his son when Sam's Nigerian uh, restaurant, which was meant to be like a, a place for a place where people could feel at home in London, was was vandalized with very racist graffiti saying "Go home." Um, and so his father is comforting. Sam, with with I think advice that that we can all take to heart of don't just worry about fighting back, fight forward. And I think for all of us, we need to think about what fighting forward means. You know, it 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 means making things better for the next group, not getting stuck in in um, you know, just the the understandable, you know, sadness, you know, hate, anger, that kind of thing. But what does this mean for us to take the next step forward? How can we make this better for future generations and for everyone who comes after us?
0: Absolutely. And and I think it brings to mind also to me, you know, how sometimes we have victories, you know, and we take two or three steps forward. You better believe there's going to be some backlash that you're going to might have to take a step or two back. Mm-hmm. So, OK, we're back now. We're going to take three. But ultimately, we know that arc bends towards the justice, the equity, the truth, the light that we're seeking. So even if you fall back, keep pushing forward, keep moving forward, keep making sure you're thinking forward and fighting forward, as that shirt says, um, and don't give up. Because we talk, sometimes we get disheartened. You said it during this episode, disappointment, the anger, the things happen. I think a recent one for me was the Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action. Um, oh my God, don't even get me started. I'm moving on. <laughs> that was, woo. Like I had to sit with that one a couple, like people were posting and, you know, and we were commenting. I said, you know what? I'm still speechless. I'm going to need a few days on this one. I I just need a couple of days to breathe, to think, to feel, to, you know, accept that those couple of steps back and regroup and, and say, okay, what can I do in this space? And so my, what can I do is on the ground? Like you said, it's not at a high, high level. But I continue knowing that women of color in medicine is a small representation, 3, three to 5%, something like that, right? And so my give back um, is making sure that women of color shadow me, can come in to see pediatrics, that I'm a mentor to them. And I have developed some relationships with women um, in medicine groups at UCF. And and, and, and when I speak, young girls always come up to me. And so they're on rotation. And as much as I can, if I can help them check off boxes to all of these hurdles to getting into medical school, Mm -hmm. if I can lend a voice, whatever I can do, connect them, I'm going to do it. And so that's what I hold on to. And hopefully, I can help increase those numbers as much as I can because we know, again, people of color live, do better, healthy, they're more satisfied, babies survive, mothers deliver and live in every way. Health wise, in the healthcare system, they do better when they are cared for by someone who looks like them. And so we yeah. need representation. That's another reason why it's important to health. Um, so leave us with some resources, if you don't mind, so people can get started.
1: Oh, goodness. Okay. So first of all, I remembered something I wanted to say earlier, yes, and I please. apologize. I want to – I want to preface this by saying this is not an indictment. This is just the reality. I'm presenting, you know, facts that, that have been established to people because I hope we can use that as, as a way to think, to reflect a little bit, and also to take steps to, you know, to maybe correct that. So I was reading literally just the other day that three quarters, so 75% of, of white people who make up the majority um, in the United States do not have friends who are people of color. So think about that. 75% do not have friends who are people of color. People of color in the United States, however, a ma- majority of us have, have have friends who are white and not just white, but people who are of different backgrounds than just us. Um, and again, you know, some of that's the reality, but I think that to me showed how easy it is to sort of self-segregate, even though we are post-civil rights, we are post, you know, all of these things. Um And again, when I look at media, you know, I I would say those of those of you who are on Facebook, look at your Facebook friends, you know, are these are these the same clicks of people who you knew in high school? Or are these people who, you know, reflect, reflect a broader diversity? And so, you know, you talked about steps and I I talked earlier about like, really try to kind of diversify Like, are there ways you can take steps to, to learn about other people? You know, there are lots of books, there are podcasts, there are so many things that are available for free. You know, the library taking advantage of, of, of the multiple free resources around us, even if you live in a place or, you know, your friend group or your work group is not particularly diverse, like, I got to be honest my work group is not diverse um i'm a pediatrician you know we we see the most diverse generation um, of of kids and young people um, but my work group is not diverse um so I've had to find friends i've had to make you know active efforts to to meet wonderful people like like dr Candace and and others and and that has only enriched my life it's helped my understanding it's helped me take better care of the kids in my clinic who may or may not Uh, have backgrounds that are similar to mine um so I really think, you know, in terms of action steps, there are also lots of wonderful organizations um, that you can learn about easily online um, to, to really help move this work forward. Um, and and again, sometimes it's just it's starting small. I wouldn't, you know, you don't want to overwhelm yourself, um, but but start small. You know, is there a book that you can read? Is there a podcast you can listen to? Is is there a local community? Is there a chapter of the NAACP? Is there an immigrant rights group? Is there a group of just people of like, hey, we're, we're people who, just want to stand up for each other? Um, are there ways to get involved in that way? So so I think those are some, I hope, you know, not too intimidating steps that that people can sort of start to to look at.
0: Absolutely. Any
1: favorite resources you use?
0: Is there a favorite book that you think everybody should read to get started on this, a website or a <laughs> podcast that you
1: like or... I'm sure. forcing you to give specifics. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I understand. I understand. Um, so, you know, actually like, you know, you mentioned Dr. Ibrahim Kendi, um, he's written a couple of books. I would say, you know, he's written like a, a, a young person's version, um, of stamped stamped yeah. is a pretty thick book. It's pretty heavy, um, important information, but, but. Read the young person's version. Like it, that's easy. It's a it's a relatively quick read, but it gives you this background of history that that we didn't learn. So I think that's a really good step to understanding why Dr. Candace and I are talking about this in the first place. You know, it, there there are just pieces of history that we didn't learn, um, and I it's so important I think to understand that foundation and to realize how that is still affecting people today. Um, I'd say documentaries like, you know, 13th, you know, it sounds really, I've, I've probably mm-hmm. watched it like four times. And, and, and each time I get something new from it, like I had there, I had no idea that there was such a close connection. And one of my professors, it was so, it was so funny. So I'd like watched this before I did this fellowship. And then when I watched it after I had been in the fellowship, i I'm like, I, I recognized that voice. It was one of my professors from, um from the Kennedy school. Oh, I'm like, wow. it's Dr. Professor Muhammad. So yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. Um, So, so sorry, that was just like me fan girling for, for like cool. a second. <laughs> but I'm like, I know him. Um, I learned from him. And so, you know, I just think there are so many resources now that that make it easier for for people to be able to to understand. Um, and then Brian Stevenson, I think his his book is just incredible. Um, uh Just Mercy is is and it's a movie now too. So mm-hmm. if you're more a movie person, you can watch the movie for first and then if you want, you can you can read the book. Um oh boy, uh uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name, but I think it's called the Color of Home. It's about it's about redlining. I am so sorry. I, yes, I, yes, yes. Yeah, but um, but I think that's another important one. Boy, there's so many important books, and so I'm going to say this. You've probably heard of the book called White Fragility, and I know that in and of itself makes people kind of mm, clench. I would say this. I learned from from a colleague of mine that maybe save that for a little bit later. I think first, you know, first, first build the foundation, learn, learn a little bit about how history continues to affect people today. Cause we talk about historically disadvantaged populations, but the reality is that they're currently being disadvantaged because of things that happened years ago that have not been corrected. Um, and so I think it's important to understand that history. Um, and, and, wow. and again, I think, you know, they're, there's just a lot of opportunity to to get this information, which maybe 50 years ago was harder to get access to. So I would say take advantage of of what's out there.
0: Yeah, and nowadays with all the uh, book bans, you can definitely get it for free. You know, there's libraries that you know the the public New York Public Library. You know, there's all these. I just learned about a Libby app. Um, I know here in um, Orange, I think it's it's an app, so you can do it anywhere, but I know it's linked to our public library here. I was, you know, paying Audible for subscription and sometimes having to pay extra because I wanted a book so bad and I didn't have another <laughs> credit. And my friend told me about it. It's a free app. It cooks to my public library. It's called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. And I have been able to listen to some of the most amazing books without having to pay. They're free as long as they're there. And there's a lot of that. So there's, yeah, no reason. Audible's have been my thing. You know, listening to audiobooks rather. Audible is the platform. But audiobooks um, has been something that's really helped to educate me and keep me current. And it doesn't take away from my time because I can drive and, you know, free time when downtime and get some work done and clean up the house and cook <laughs> yeah. while listening. Um, so I think that's important. Um, this was all great. Thank you for those resources any final words? I, we went over, but I knew we would because this is an important topic.
1: Um, any final words? And we're going to get out of here. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you again for, for, for the invitation. I so enjoyed talking with you today. I think if there's one thing I would like your listeners to take away, you know, again, no matter what their background, no matter what their, um, you know, their affiliation, I think it's that we all want to do good in this world. We want to do good in this world. Dr. Candace and I are pediatricians. We we get to see the hope every day, you know, in 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 the faces of our, our young people and the youngest babies, and we just want to create the best world possible for them. And I think that's where I hope we can all find common ground. We want everyone to have a chance to succeed because when everyone thrives, everyone does better. Um, and and to quote Paul Wellstone, the late uh, Minnesota senator, we all do better when we all do better.
0: Yeah, that's right. So simple, but yet so so true, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. <laughs> Nushine, mean, Amina. Thing. Did I hear you right? got, you <laughs> yeah, got it. You it's got I mean it. A thing. It's almost like I mean a thing. <laughs> like like, yes. like. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. I'm gonna think of that every time. Thank you so much. Such great information. Such great conversation. It really was. I don't think I'm gonna edit much. I'm just gonna let it rip. This was good. <laughs> two two friends, you know, like minded and standing in solidarity together and educating, right? Um, so thanks again. And I hope we are continue to be connected. I feel like I can reach out to you at any time. Please reach out to me at any time. Um, and I hope you guys in the audience have learned. If anyone uh, wants to reach out to you, Dr. Nushin, is that possible? Are you on the socials? Give us
1: that. Um, so So. yeah, actually, I, I just joined the new social app Threads. Um, so feel free to, to reach out to me there. Um, I have sort of Temporarily, well, I've I've sort of shut down my Twitter account, but but I'm on Threads, I'm on Med Mastodon, so I'm more than happy to connect with people. And thank you again, Dr. Candace. This was this was just such a great great time. Thank you again. <laughs> thank you. And do you have a handle there? Is is it?
0: What is your handle there?
1: Oh, right. Sorry. So okay. it's N-A-M-D, the number four kids. So my initials N-A and then M-D for medical doctor, number four and kids.
0: Love it. Love it, love it, love it.
1: And I will, of course, put all of these resources, your
0: um, social contact, all of that in the show note and have the questions posted and all that stuff. And I'll share that out with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And of course, we'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please let me know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also follow me on social media at Dr. Candice MD. Thanks for listening.